Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome you wherever you are and however you may be listening to the Sports Rivals with Ernie and Monty. It is the first weekend of March Madness and what a first round it has been. The first round just completed with Abilene Christian, a 14 seed, knocking off Texas, a 3 seed. We told you this last week to uh, bet your mortgage on Abilene Christian over Texas, but we'll jump more into that a little bit later. We're also going to talk a little bit about the NFL, the first week of free agency, who are the winners, who are the losers, and of course we're going to start today with uh, talk about Drew Brees. Drew Brees officially retired this week. Um, What an amazing career he had, Ernie. Yeah, very, very productive, going to go down as one of the all-time greats for him to last this long. I mean, if it wasn't for Tom Brady, people would talk about his his uh, Iron Man type of career lasting into his 40s, playing at a, at a very high level. So he'll be missed. He's absolutely going to be missed. I mean, let's, let's just talk some statistics just real quick, just for our listeners, because I don't know if Drew Brees gets the appreciation um, that some of the other greats have. I mean, I think this week I heard there's talk that some people think he's not a top 10 quarterback. I would think that he is. And maybe one day we'll dive into that, who's the NFL's greatest quarterbacks. Um, But listen to his stats. 80,358 yards, first all-time. 571 touchdowns, second all-time to Tom Brady, who passed them this year. A 98.7 career rating, which is fifth all-time. And a 67.7 career completion percentage, which is second all-time. I mean, besides that, he leads in attempts, he leads in completions. It's a remarkable career. And I think what we people forget at times is how he even got to New Orleans. Right. I mean, his shoulder was an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban was in Miami. He wanted to go to Miami. Miami's doctor said, no go, his shoulder is shot. He goes to New Orleans and is probably, if not the greatest, one of the greatest free agent signings ever changed the trajectory of not only the Saints, but the whole town mm-hmm. as he really lifted them through Katrina. So an amazing, amazing career. Right. I mean, San Diego gave up on him, you know, uh, and his his stature isn't the greatest. I mean, he's, he's like six foot up 200, maybe, you know, so maybe, maybe six feet. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, so he's not his profile is isn't prototypical quarterback. But he possesses the intangibles that not only makes him great, you know, makes his teammates great. I mean, you, you, you look at the teams that he was on on New Orleans, and you look at the teams that he was when he was earlier in his career when he was with the Chargers. I mean, th- some of those receivers weren't very well known, you know, until actually Drew Brees was there. So, you know, I, 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 I give him a lot of props. I mean, that's the side of greatness. To be good is one thing. To make other people around you good is the sign of greatness. And then I think people, especially young people, you know, some of our young listeners, saints have been good now for 15 years. But when we were growing up, they were the ain'ts. 
I mean, they were pathetic. Right. They right. were never a successful team. No, until Sean Payton got there and until Drew Brees got there and they built something special. So congratulations, Drew Brees, on a remarkable career. Five years from now, you'll certainly put on that gold jacket and march into the Hall of Fame. Definitely. What an amazing career. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ernie, so free agency. I mean, this is something that we're excited about. I know you as a Steeler fan, we're kind of waiting to see how things land. I know you got some good news with Juju signing on for another year um, with, the, with the Steelers. But just generally speaking, what are your thoughts so far about free agency? How it's gone in week one? And what do you think is going to happen from here out? Well, I don't know if Juju is actually a good sign, to tell you the truth. I mean, we've lost... I mean, the Steelers have, have lost Nelson. You know, they've lost Bud Dupree, who I think are actually more important to their position than... Than Drew Brees, I mean not than Juju, uh, Smith Schuster. Uh, we have to know that uh, on the Steelers wide receiver depth chart that they still got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Washington. Three younger receivers than Juju and three capable receivers. So I can see how why they did it, uh, but to the cost of other positions. Uh, it's a wait and see. I'll, I, I scratch my head. But the other free agents that are out there, uh, they still haven't signed uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who right now, uh, it's hard for me to believe that he is the top tackle left on the board. So he might be seeing a nice payday, you know? Yeah, I mean, as the, the last tackle standing, or, or the most recognizable name standing, right. and, you know, if somebody steps up and needs somebody, he's going to... Chances of him staying with the Steelers are probably are probably minimal at this point. Right. And how about your Rams? Well, my Rams did practically nothing. I mean, and that's kind of expected. We were way over the cap. We have to restructure all the big contracts. Aaron Donald restructured. Jalen Ramsey restructured. Robert Woods restructured. Cooper Cup restructured. Andrew Whitworth restructured just to get us below the cap. And clearly they decided that of our all of our free agents, the one we had to keep was Leonard Floyd. You know, the pass rusher, so we signed, re-signed him for four years and $64 million. Some Ram fans may think we probably overpaid for that, but I'm thinking, you know what? Pass rushers make a lot of money. Look what Bud Dupree got. I mean, you did mm -hmm. lose Bud Dupree, but he got $85 million over five years from mm -hmm. the Titans, and he tore his ACL last year. Right. You know, so that is an exorbitant amount for that position. J.J. Watt. You know, he got $31 million for two years, and he's, you know, older already, battling injuries. So I think that position commands money. But we lost four defensive starters and two more offensive starters. I think they expected that. We lost uh, um, JJ, our safety, Johnson, our safety. He went to Cleveland. Um, and I think that's going to really benefit Cleveland because he's a good leader. But we drafted two safeties last year in preparation for this. We lost one of our tight ends, Gerald Everett, to the Seattle Seahawks, but we drafted Bryce Hopkins last year to replace him. So I think the Rams have done a good job in advance of preparing for people that they were going to lose, um, and it remains to be seen. They tend to try to pick people on the cheap in the summer when you have the summertime cuts. That's when they'll add somebody. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think the Rams are significantly better other than the fact that they have Matthew Stafford. And we talked about how he's probably going to lead the Rams to the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> or that's what we're hoping. He finally got to LA this week. Um, yeah, so, but 
overall, like with the Steelers situation with Juju, the fact that they kept him for one year, the first thing that came into my mind was my closing thought last week when we talked about how quarterbacks and how people are taking the most money. And it was so refreshing for me to hear somebody like Juju say, you know what? I'm going to take a one-year deal with the Steelers. I'm going to take less money. I'm only going to sign for one year because I know that's all we can do to get there. I'm going to turn down the Ravens. I'm going to turn down the Jets and bigger money because my heart's in Pittsburgh. And I found that to be refreshing. And I hope he kills it this year. And then next year, he'll move on uh, to somebody else, possibly. But they won't have Ben next year. So maybe they sign him big. Maybe the salary cap jumps again if COVID goes away. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, I but I think there's some pretty clear winners. We were talking about this, Ernie. Right. Who do you think has won free agency in week uh, one? I mean, you can look at Tampa Bay, but signing, re-signing all of their guys. But to me, it's got to be the New England Patriots. I mean, they've done. I mean, they've done free agent after free agent after free agent. They are. I don't know. They look like the New York Nets in bas- uh, of, of basketball. I mean, they, everybody just wants to go over there. I mean, they, they picked up uh, Hunter Henry, uh, filling up that tight end. You know how uh, Belichick loves the tight ends over uh, in New England. So I expect Hunter Hen- Henry to uh, have great career. I mean, to me, him coming out of Arkansas when he went to the Chargers, I thought he was the next big deal. I don't think the Chargers really... Uh, put him in the right place to prosper. I, Plus, I, he had some injuries. Right. But I think with in that Belichick system, I think he's going to thrive. They also got two great linebackers. They got they got back Kyle Van Noy, and they to me the to they got us they got us a, a steal in Judon. Who, yeah. Who I know very well uh, from the from the Ravens. Uh, their linebacking crew is. Terrific now. On top of that, I mean, I don't know how much time you want to spend on top of this, but they probably signed around eight or nine or ten guys. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the Patriots did a remarkable job this week. I think the week started off with the decision to re-sign Cam Newton to a one-year $14 million deal. Now, on the surface, um, Cam Newton really didn't do much this year. I think there's a lot of people that question the move, but when quarterbacks are getting 35, 40 million a year, the fact that you can get a starting caliber quarterback at 14 million and still allow the possibility of possibly trading for somebody if they become available, like a Garoppolo or a Darnold, I think was relatively smart. And we go back to Cam Newton. Again, he started off the season strong. He went to Seattle, he threw for 400 something yards, and then he got COVID, and he never was the same quarterback again. So is it a big risk to bring him back? No, it's one year, 14 million. So I think it started there. But you're right. Matthew uh, Judon and Kyle Van Noy, two pass rushers on the end that upgrades. They're going to get Dante uh, um, Highsmith uh, back uh, in the middle. They had a, a ton of people that stayed out. Offensively, they signed not only Hunter Henry, who I agree is is, is great, but Jonu Smith as well. Yeah. Four years and 50 million from the, from the Titans. So they have two... Uh, tight ends that can spread the field and then they got Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders they got Kelvin Bourne from the 49ers not big name wide receivers but definitely upgrades so their offense was really upgraded and then they traded for Trent Brown the tackle from the Oakland Raiders they gave up a seventh round pick restructured his deal and got him for 10 million dollars so I agree I think the Patriots did an incredible job and you mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I think they are a winner as well Mm mm-hmm The fact that you win the Super Bowl 
and you're able to roll it back yes. and almost sign all your key free yeah. agents to this point. Tom Brady restructured his contract, freeing up $19 million. They were able to sign Shaq Barrett to a four-year, $72 million deal. Gronk re-signed. Godwin signed his franchise tag. Levante David re-signed. Now they're working on Ndamukong Sue and Leonard Fournette. But even if they don't get those two, they've got most of their re- people coming back. And I think Tampa Bay's got to be the favorite in the NFC again. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I would like to uh, be a fly on the wall and find out how much Tom Brady played an influence on all those re-signings. I mean, it's, he seems to be uh, that piper that everybody flocks to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty clear. I, I think when you have the leader giving up his money, it makes you feel like you should do the same. Right. And for some of these guys, like Levante David, who's been, and Shaq Barrett, who have been with a team that has struggled wins-wise for years, now you have a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so you know it works. Mm-hmm. So why not maximize what you're able to do with a team that is loaded with talent? Some of the other teams that I thought did a decent job, I thought Washington did a decent job. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is probably you know a stopgap, but a, a definite upgrade over what they had. Um, Curtis Samuel, they signed a wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers to upgrade their wide receiving core. And then they stole William Jackson from Cincinnati as a DB. So I thought they did a good job. As much as, as a Rams fan, as much as I don't like to admit this, I think Seattle did a good job because they upgraded their offensive line, which is what Russell Wilson really wanted. Mm-hmm. They traded for Gabe Jackson, uh, an offensive lineman from the Raiders. And then they did sign one of our Rams tight ends in Gerald Everett, who I think is going to actually do good with Russell Wilson because he's able to create space on the field. So I thought those two teams did well as well. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I mean, there's some losers. I think the Jets did a terrible they're they're overpaying. I think they're they're in that desperate situation, that desperation mode. I think they're just putting themselves more in a hole. So if you're a Jets fan, I uh, I feel very sorry for you. Yeah, right I think now. they had so much hope. I mean, they, first of all, they still have Sam Darnold, which may not be a bad thing. But I think they had visions of grandeur that they were going to get Juju and they were going to get Kenny Galladay and they were going to upgrade everything around them. And they really didn't get that. They, they paid $15 million a year for Carl Lawson, who I'm not sure is a $15 million a year player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they paid $13 million a year for Corey Davis. Now, granted, he was the fifth pick in the draft, but he never played like a number one receiver no. with the Titans. Not at all. So they are gambling at $13 million a year that Corey Davis is going to finally um, do something with the Jets. But they whiffed on Juju. They whiffed on some of the other players. I agree. I think the Jets were a big loser, as are the Raiders to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they signed Kenyon Drake for two years and $11 million, but that's one position they're strong in. I mean, they got Josh Jacobs already, who's a great running back, and then they literally lost their entire offensive, offensive line. line. Yeah. So now you have a situation where Derek Carr is like Jared Goff. He doesn't do well without a good offensive line, and you're going to have to rebuild the entire offensive line. And that's a dangerous proposition for the Raiders. I don't understand exactly what they were thinking, but they literally... They traded Rodney Hudson to Arizona, Gabe Jackson to Seattle, Trent Brown um, to the Patriots, and then they got rid of the other two. So, And then the last loser to me, the Bears. Mm. I mean, they tried. They tried to get Russell Wilson, and you know the, right. the trade that they offered. Right. Three, three number, number ones, ones, two defensive starters, and the number three, and Seattle said no. Yeah, and no. we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that we didn't think that the draft capital that the Bears had even if you're offering three, 
if you're picking in the 20s, it really doesn't matter. And it wasn't enticing enough to Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, so they said no. So the Bears go out and their plan B, Andy Dalton. Ernie, Andy Dalton. What do you expect the Bears to be this year? <laughs> Worse. <laughs> I, think, I thought they should have just stayed with Mitch Trubisky. They should have. Or, or go get uh, Marcus Mariota, who might be available. But to go to Andy Dalton, ugh, I just I, I, I think the Bears are a big loser this offseason so far. <laughs> me, me too. But, boy, three number ones, and Seattle didn't even flinch on top of that, which tells me that it was all a smokescreen to begin with. You know, I don't. Uh, w w without Russell Wilson in Seattle, I think Seattle is is a shell. You know, and uh, I don't. I don't think they're in a rebuilding mode. I think they're they're putting the pieces together to make a, a significant run. So I think they understand that R Russell Wilson is the piece, the king in that chess on that chessboard that they need to protect. Yeah, I mean, before we get out of the NFL free agency, I mean, I agree with you with that because. The Seahawks won the division this year. Right. They went 12-4. and four. They re-signed Chris Carson. They've upgraded the offensive line. They've added a tight end. They haven't lost anyone defensively, really. So they're in a position to do really well. But they're in a super hard division. My Rams are in that division. We upgraded at quarterback. San Francisco's getting healthy. They re-signed Trent Williams to an exorbitant amount of money. They're going to be good. Arizona's going to be better. It, just the development of their quarterback. And you got J.J. Watt there as a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, you've acquired A.J. Green, who hasn't been healthy in a couple of years. But if he is healthy, he could be another threat. So that is a tough, tough, tough division. Um, so Seattle got lucky to me in, in finding a way to keep Russell Wilson, get an upgraded offensive line, keep their running backs, and then go from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's still some guys out there. I mean, you I mean there are. I mean, there's Deshaun Watson who started off the week saying he only wants to play for two teams, mm -hmm. the 49ers and the Broncos. But yeah. he's got a lot more problems uh, <laughs> than deciding who yeah. he wants to play for. I mean, at this point in time, I, I think it's, it's not only not likely that he's going to be traded because I don't think anyone would be crazy enough to trade for him now. Mm -hmm. But I think it's unlikely that he's going to start the season. Um, active you know even if he wanted to be you know at this point in time i think there's just so much negativity and an onslaught of things that's coming out that's going to make it tough for him yeah um at least for in in the short run so yeah. i don't think deshaun watson is going to be the same nfl story in terms of free agency and where he's landing as he was for the last month now it's going to be does he go to jail or not yeah i agree i agree a lot of uh a lot of surprises you know, unfortunate surprises because I really respected the guy. But uh, if those accusations are in fact true, then boy, that's gonna that's gonna hurt. Absolutely, it's definitely gonna hurt. Okay, so when we come back, we talked NFL to start, but the rest of our show is all about the NCAA. We're gonna give you our thoughts on the first round. What a first round it was! Yesterday's first, uh, the brackets for the first day was the worst in the history for me. Everything I picked seemed to lose. I bounced back a little bit today. Ernie suffered a little bit today after having a great day yesterday, but we'll dive into that after the break. Welcome back. 
Before we get into the NCAA tournament, as a Laker fan, Ernie, I am in mourning. Why? Today was a very, very tough day. Um, not only did the Lakers lose, you know, snapping their winning streak at four to the to the Hawks, who have now won eight in a row under Nate McMillan since he's taken over, but LeBron James has a high ankle sprain and is out indefinitely. Wow, double whammy. I mean, that's somebody who never misses games. Right. And with high ankle sprains, that can go four, five, six weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that he heals typically better than most. But even if he's out for three to four weeks, with AD also out for another three weeks, the Lakers may not win another game. <laughs> and although we're number two right now, the difference between two to nine is only six games. Right. So if the Lakers, say they go on a, on a streak where they win five and they lose 15, I could totally see the, the Warriors passing them. Right. And if the Lakers can find a way to stay in the playoffs and they can get AD and LeBron back healthy, then I still think there's a shot. But there's a real question right now of whether or not the Lakers are going to be able to hang on to a, a position in the playoffs without their two superstars. Yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I mean, injuries is, of course, part of the game. But to have both your number one and number two and your big number one and two, arguably, you know, probably the top duo in a long time be out at the same time that's a killer yeah it's a killer and they the rest of their team kuzma's been playing well dennis the menace dennis schroeder's been playing all right uh mantras harrell's been balling out for the last week mm. um but that's just not enough no that's not going to be enough to compete you know they go to phoenix tomorrow they're going to get waxed there then they go to new orleans and they got to deal with zion with nobody um and then they come home and they get the clippers and they get uh, it's at the Bucks and the uh, and the Sixers, it's going to be a nightmare. So, very very sad day. Yeah, well, very as, very sad day for us Laker fans. Yeah. Well, as a Boston Celtic fan, all I can say is welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're the Boston Celtics are practically healthy, but that's not showing anything as far as their play is concerned. I mean, they've been they've been struggling. They're, they're, I just have to admit it this year. They are they they are a mediocre team. Yeah, they're a shell of themselves, yes. and it is it is surprising because I do believe in their talent, but something's wrong. And I believe in their coach, but mm -hmm. even their coach is getting criticism now. Yes. You know, not being able to put things together. It's just a mystery right now. You know why they are they are still struggling. But enough about our wallowing and sorrow for our Lakers and Celtics. Let's <laughs> dive into the NCAA where we can again wallow in our sorrow that our brackets are a mess ernie it's been a crazy <laughs> crazy first two days it, it has been i was i was a happy camper yesterday you know i was a very i, I my 512 pick came through my second 512 pick almost came through in in santa barbara uh, against Creighton by by that uh, narrow miss basket that should have went in, but that's such is life. But today my number four Virginia lost to Ohio, and my number three Texas lost to Abilene Christian. That folks, if you listen to last week's podcast, that was my two of my final four participants. So I am hanging on on. 
on Illinois yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Baylor. Right. So as bad as yes, uh, as today was for you, that was my day yesterday. I mean, yesterday, you know, I had Ohio State go out. And every single upset that I picked, those of you that listened last week, you remember that I told you guys to bet everything that you have on a two-team parlay of two underdogs, Winthrop and Abilene Christian. Well, Abilene Christian came through today, knocking off Ernie's final four team, actually final two team in Texas. But Winthrop didn't come through and Villanova played a great game without Gillespie and knocked them out. But it seemed like every favorite I picked lost and every underdog I picked lost. It was just a brutal day yesterday. It was my worst first round bracket that I can remember. Yeah, and that's that's why they call it March Madness. Yeah, the only thing that I took solace was today is that your today was just as bad as my yesterday. So that made me feel so much better. I mean, I was on Facebook just conceding to you and being, oh my gosh, I'm going to have my tail between my legs. I'm going to be happy to admit that Ernie was right in everything and I was wrong in everything. And, and I still have to because last week we talked about certain conferences. Right. And we talked about your belief in the Big 12. Right. And, your, and I believed in them too, but your belief in the, in the Pac-12, which I did it. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 is 6-0. and They're 6-0. and You started with UCLA upsetting in most people's eyes. 95% of the money in Vegas, Ernie, was on Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And UCLA knocked them off. Right. And then they came back today and knocked off BYU. Mm-hmm. Colorado destroyed uh, Georgetown, which was a surprise when Georgetown was playing well. Oregon State destroyed Tennessee mm-hmm. as a 12 seed over a 5. Mm-hmm. Um it was and then your USC, who you believe in, USC won handily today yeah. over Drake, where I had Drake upsetting them. So the Pac-12 has been surprisingly strong. Mm-hmm. But what else stands out to you? I mean, if I can just uh, talk a little bit about the Pac-12, when you have Oregon State being your conference champion, and they're seated 12, and they can play like they were uh, at, at least the the matchup. You know, of a five, that sh- that shows a lot. That sh- and that's why I believed in that. Con- you pl- you play big games. It day in and day out, you become accustomed to those types of games. Same thing. Same thing with the Big Twelve. I mean, they had seven participants. Now, mind you, uh, earlier today when I heard that six of the seven won. I had a little trepidation. Yes, that the last Big 12 team, which was Texas, was going to lose just because of the law of averages. But that's what I see. I, I, I see all these teams. And, and, and you know what? Texas should have lost. They should have lost by more. They, they turned over the ball like 25 times. They did not play the inside game, yet they, they lost the game by one. Yeah, I mean, and that was a game that looked like a heavyweight fight from the yes. 1960s and 70s. They were exhausted at the end. It was 53-52. Abilene Christian is the number one team at causing turnovers in the nation, and Texas didn't take advantage of their assets. Right. You know, like you said, they should have pounded it down low. They should have. Uh, instead, that they were they were doing other things, but it, just, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. But the Pac-12 6-0, the Big 12, even with Texas going out 7-1, yeah. which is still amazing, 
The Big Ten, which I believe is the strongest conference, suffered two catastrophic losses yesterday with number four, Purdue, losing. Mm -hmm. uh, and number two, Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts. But they rebounded today, so they're six and three. So that's not too bad. Surprisingly, though, the SEC is showing well. I mean, the SEC is four and one, mm -hmm. other than your Tennessee pick, where you picked Oregon State to wax them. You Alabama. know, the rest of the teams have won. Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, LSU looked really, really good today. Mm -hmm. um, so SEC is showing well. And then not surprisingly, because they were weak all year, the ACC has struggled. Yes. You know, ACC is only two and five, um, with only two teams remaining. And then again, your Virginia team being knocked out today. But it doesn't surprise me, because we alluded to this last week, that this year, the conference tournaments, more of the number one seeds won their conference tournaments. So our, 14, our 13, 14, 15, 16 seeds were going to be a little bit stronger than normal. So a 15 seed Oral Roberts beat, knocking off Ohio State, although it killed me. Not that surprising. Ohio today as a 13 beating Virginia. Not that surprising. North Texas as a 13 beating number four Purdue. A little bit more surprising because that was essentially a a home game for Purdue because they're playing in state. Mm -hmm. And then you've capped it off with a 14 seed Abilene Christian knocking off a three Texas. So solid, really good teams um, that got into the tournament that are making some noise. And it's just now it's just a matter of how far can Cinderella go? Yeah, no. And a, a little bit of the rule change too. Before, if you, if you were a transfer player, you had to sit out a year. Now with those rules becoming a little, little bit more loose... I mean, it's going rampant. I mean, uh, our GC, you know, the GCU Antelopes who, who, who played Iowa today uh, gave them a run. But the, practically half their team consists of transfers. Well, you know, I'm a, I told you guys last week I have two favorite teams, Michigan and Gonzaga. And Michigan played Texas Southern today. Texas Southern has 14 players on the roster, 12 are transfers. 12 of the 14 players wow. are transfers. So they were heavy in seniors. Mm -hmm. Many of them, um, you know, graduate transfers. But mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, that is definitely something that has taken shape here. Where players are like, if I'm not going to play, I'm going to transfer. And now I don't have to sit out. I right. can play immediately. Uh, they took advantage of that. And, and good for them. Yeah. You know, these players are able to, to get in and play. Yeah. So we talked about some of the upsets. We talked about some of the strong conferences. But let's talk about some of the standouts. Which teams really look good to you? Gonzaga looked very good today. I mean, Kispert was... Kispert was Curry today. I mean, his shots were just going in. He was... He was out of this world. Yeah, he was on fire. He had 23 points, 6 of 9 from 3. Um, they looked good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, they won by... They were up by 50 at one point. They ended up winning by almost 40. Uh, they did look good. But what's surprising, they won by that margin. And you alluded to this last week. Where the reason why you didn't believe. You thought Virginia would knock off Gonzaga. You didn't believe in the Zags. Uh, like I do. Is the Jalen Suggs factor and he didn't play well yeah, he today. did it he yeah. had two fouls in the first three minutes um he was like two for eight from the field he ended up with like seven points and they still won by almost 50 yeah, yeah. you know i drew timmy he went four for seven had 10 points that's another all-american he really didn't do much um and they still won so they they did look really good and i think their path got a little bit easier with virginia moving out right. um so we'll see Creighton survived Santa Barbara. I said it really would have been a 12 versus a 13 right there with Ohio <laughs> uh, and Santa Barbara. So I think they're going to have a challenge there. The bottom part of the bracket, 
I think Kansas looked sluggish to start the day. You could see that they were impacted by their COVID situation. They didn't seem to have the legs, but once they turned it around at halftime, you could see the difference in athleticism and they ended up beating Eastern Washington by nine. So I mm -hmm. think they look good. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Iowa looked all right. They mm -hmm. looked like what Iowa looked, but I think Grand Canyon kept it competitive. Right. You know, they kept it within 10 to 15 points all game. I think Luca Garza, you know, was four for five from three, but they really did a good job with him inside. And that leads me to believe, can Luca Garza, the second time around, handle a Drew Timmy if they, if they meet up? Or does he even get past Kansas yeah. you know, if that happens? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean Garza was, uh, he was hampered with a couple of early falls. That's why he, he, he started the game, I think he only had eight points at the half or something like that. On two threes and then, and then a, fo a, push, uh, a follow back. Exactly. So I think that the game will dictate what, uh, what uh, Iowa does with Garza and how he, could, how he contributes. Because he has a good supporting cast. You know, I think that uh, Iowa is definitely a team that can give uh, Gonzaga a run. You know, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch, if, especially if they start both shooting it from the outside. Yeah, what I'm excited about is on Monday to see the bottom half of the West in the next round. I think Oregon Iowa is gonna be a good game because mm -hmm. I think Oregon can run up and down the court with Iowa a little bit. Now, they're not going to have the fatigue because they didn't have to play today. But sometimes that's a problem if you don't get that one game in. So I'm curious to see how that goes. And then Kansas-USC is going to be a great game. Mm -hmm. You know, I think USC played really well today. Um, but to see Evan Mob Mobley match up with McCormick and the, guy, the big guys of Kansas is going to be very, very interesting. Yep. But what about some of the, uh, the other brackets? Like, I love my Michigan. Michigan looked okay today. I think they jumped out to a big league, got complacent. But LSU looked really good. And if I have to make a, a guess, Michigan's in trouble on Monday. I think LSU may knock them out without Isaiah Livers. Wow, and I know how you love Michigan. Yeah, Livers is, Livers is definitely a, a big factor on top of that. To me, to me, Michigan looked good today. You know, they, they really spread the ball out. If you looked at, their, at the box score of that particular game, I mean, uh, four or five guys... Pretty much the same stats all around. So they, they really share in the responsibility. And that's a sign of a good team. Yeah. I mean, they are. I mean, they, they do have some teams. I thought one of the things, and, I, and we talked about this off the air, that I thought that was really telling today is Jawan Howard made a point to play two guys that have not been playing much. Zeb Jackson, a backup point guard, and Terrence Williams, uh, a wing, played a lot of minutes today. And that leads me to believe that Isaiah Livers is not coming back. He, we knew he wasn't coming back right. this weekend, but he's not going to come back next weekend either. I think he's done for the year, unfortunately. So we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope LSU uh, does not play as well as they did today when they waxed you know, uh, St. Bonaventure. But I'm hoping Michigan can do that. And then Alabama had all they can handle. Yeah. I mean, Alabama had all they could handle from Rick Patino and the Iona gales there and they struggled but they were able to to pull it off yeah towards the ending part i mean just too much alabama but that uh you know patino still has it he still has the magic i mean they believe in his in his coaching philosophy you know he pumped them out he was he looked like he was in his 40s jumping up up and down you know telling his uh his players what to do and you know they believed in him they believed in him and they made that uh you know, a very respectable game in my opinion, considering it was a two versus a 15.
Yeah, and then, and then now you're talking about your Texas is out. You know, so so say LSU upsets Michigan, mm-hmm. Texas is already out. You know, Abilene Christian now is going to be playing. You know, eventually they're going to be playing. Uh, I think now they're playing UCLA. UCLA. So yes. you have an eleven versus a fourteen that's going to advance to the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. You could have a team. <laughs> you could have a, a an eight seed or worse getting to the final four out of the out of the East, uh, which yeah, is incredible. That, yeah, that this 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 could be the year. This definitely could be the year. Uh, you look in the other side. If you look at the Midwest, I think another interesting one, in my opinion, was Syracuse. I was very shocked to see Syracuse playing very good ball against a very scrappy San Diego State team. I mean, Syracuse went 15 for 27 from three. And if I remember correctly, that was your lock of the week that, last week. That was. You know, so <laughs> I think if you guys learn one lesson from us, as entertaining as we can be, we are not the best person to take your gambling advice from. <laughs> but the trend was, Syracuse was, they weren't playing very good ball. They weren't playing very good ball at all. You know, they went into the conference tournament, didn't show that much. Their record against, uh, you know, top 20 opponents, very poor. But, you know, chips are down. Maybe Bayham has that magic during the tournament. And you know what? I mean, I think now it sets up reasonably for them. I think, you know, you still have, you know, Illinois, I still believe, is going to end up in the finals. So on the top side, there wasn't too many surprises there. I think they handled Loyola Chicago tomorrow. They benefited from the fact that Georgia Tech's best player had COVID and wasn't able to play. Oklahoma State struggled and had all they could handle from Liberty, but they finally advanced. So I don't see that changing too much. I think they take care of Oregon State. Me too. But Syracuse on the bottom half, you have Syracuse against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's a toss-up to mm-hmm. me because West Virginia is not playing the greatest. I could see Syracuse upsetting West Virginia. You also have Rutgers and Houston. Houston, I still believe, is the weakest two seed. Right. You know, so could Syracuse get to the Elite Eight when you <laughs> thought they were going to be the out in the first round? You mean you just never know? You know, it's one game. And from what I saw from Syracuse today, who knows? Maybe they, they catch lightning in a bottle. But, again, it's madness. It's madness. It, it really is. And But you still have, you know, as bad as the day it was with Virginia and Texas going out, you still have your national champions still alive in the Baylor Bears. How they look in the first they, round? They, they look like a number one seed. They look like a number one seed. Very, very good showing from the Baylor Bears. Not that they're my team. I just feel like they have the roster to compete versus their, uh, you know, their, their opponents. I think they got they got a very good run. If we look at them, I mean, they're going to be playing Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think I think they are a v- better shooting team than, than Wisconsin. If Wisconsin tries to play the Baylor game, Baylor wins that easily, you know. And then uh, then you got North Texas will upset Purdue. I think their Cinderella run is gonna that uh, gonna end. Your I know you don't think very highly of Villanova because you thought Winthrop was going to beat them. And I think North Texas is going to beat them too. I mean, I'm going to double down on my double-digit seeds. I think North Texas advances to the Sweet 16. Wow. Yeah. I mean, But you're right. I mean, I think Baylor showed... They played hard for it, so they didn't have to really stretch, but I think they showed enough. And then last week, I thought I saw them like such a genius with my North Carolina, how they're going to upset possibly Baylor at first. Now, again... 
in full disclosure, after sobering up and then figuring out, really, I have Baylor going to the Final Four, but I thought North Carolina was going to easily handle Wisconsin, and the absolute reverse happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even close. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin destroyed them. Yeah. Uh, and I think Wisconsin's going to give Baylor a battle. I think Baylor will win, but I think Wisconsin will give them a battle because they don't turn the ball over. They have two bigs down low that were dominating North Carolina's bigs, which was a shock. The key is, can Wisconsin shoot like they did yesterday? Right. They had Davidson that went for 30-something points. They shot lights out from three. If they do that again, Baylor is going to have a hard game. If they can't, then I think Baylor will win by 10 points. Yeah, well, I just think Baylor has just the depth that they can do it. If one, Like I said in the earlier podcast, I mean, if one person is off, they can go to two, three other. They're, they're just so deep. So deep in regards to uh, the way that they play. So, again, if Wisconsin tries to play... The way that Wisconsin beats Baylor is going to be from the inside. I have a feeling what Baylor is going to do. If I was the coach of Baylor, my plan of attack would be to get the bigs into foul trouble. Because they do drive the ball. They're an inside-outside type of team. Drive it inside. Go for those... Uh, Tough fouls, get them into trouble, and then start scoring. Yeah, I think I actually think North Carolina would have been a, a, a harder matchup for Baylor because I think Baylor's strength is their guard play. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to the Wisconsin, their big guys are important, but Trice as the point guard controls everything. He handles the ball so much. And then Davidson went crazy yesterday. But with Baylor, you have Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and, and Teague. You have three guys that not only can handle them offensively, but defensively. Mm -hmm. So I think if you make it hard for Trice, that's going to disrupt their whole offense. And I see Baylor advancing. I mean, I, I do. I see Baylor and Oklahoma State uh, and Baylor moving forward. The, the, the thing, Ernie, there's no doubt. You know, you alluded to this last week. It was madness it, it truly was madness um you know you have your number one seeds still there they all pretty much cruised into round two we'll see how they do tomorrow you know illinois against loyola uh, chicago and then mm -hmm. we alluded to baylor mm -hmm. i think michigan has the hardest road you know with lsu right especially considering their situation are we going to have all four number one seeds when we turn the corner on monday and we get to the sweet 16 i don't know I mean, after yesterday, I thought it was going to be all double-digit seeds already. I mean, I had conceded. Um, but it's madness, and that's what makes it so much fun. It Unless is. your team loses. It's fun. It's fun other than the fact that I don't see any fans there. I mean, that would just add more excitement. That would feed the players more. To me, there would if the fans were in the stand, I mean, there would be a lot more closer games. Because I believe that... Uh, you know, that, uh, what's the word for it? The environment, the play, uh, the sound of, you know, your six man out there really, really helps, especially in these types of games. Yeah, there's no doubt. They, they bring the energy. It helps bring you back if you're struggling. Exactly. It gives you hope at times. Um, it, it certainly factors into the momentum. And, but Again, we talked about this last week. It's an even playing field for everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone is playing under the same circumstances. The one that had the biggest advantage was probably Purdue, and they're out. Yeah, you know, so everyone else is playing with the same variables in play. Uh, I still hope that the Gonzaga and Michigan advance my two favorite teams, and I really hope Gonzaga does it. You know, they've been 
knocking on the door for 24 years, and I do think this is their best opportunity to cut down the nets. Yeah, I mean, they have been. They've been there for a while. They've been one of the more consistent teams. You know, they're, they're the new Duke. They're the new Kentucky right now, and those two other teams aren't here to aren't here this year so who knows this this might be their year yeah and I'm, and as much as i'm predicting illinois to get to the final i keep praying that they lose every time i hope <laughs> sister Jean <laughs> prays extra hard for loyola tomorrow and finds a way to upset them because i just don't think illinois is a good matchup for gonzaga with that cokey cockburn and uh, cockburn in the middle true 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 i mean but who knows maybe maybe, maybe the big 10 is just overrated you know, it could be. It certainly looked that way yesterday. Again, they rebounded today. Um, and then at the end of the day, by the time we record this next week, we're going to have a final four in place. And hopefully at that time, we're looking at Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, and Illinois. And then that would be a classic, classic uh, final four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be the best thing that can happen for TV ratings, you know. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. No. The way things have gone right now, we may have North Texas and Ohio and, oh my goodness, uh, in the Final Four. But you know what? Some people love that. And if you don't have a skin in the game, you typically cheer for the underdog. And there's a lot of underdogs and viable underdogs. You know? So I'm curious to see what happens tomorrow and especially on Monday because all my teams are playing on Monday. I have a meeting early in the morning. And then the rest of the day, I'm taking off and getting home and watching Gonzaga and Michigan hopefully move on to the Sweet well, Sixteen. Yeah, well, we, but we shall we shall see. It'll make it it'll make it interesting. It'll make it very interesting if those top seeds can, you know, win their win their, uh, win their regions respectively. I mean, uh, who knows? Yeah, who, who we, knows? You just never know. All right, gang. When we come back after the beak, Ernie's gonna hit us with his closing thought. Most of you know that there was one team today that was eliminated because of COVID. Ernie's going to discuss the impact of COVID when we come back. All right, Ernie, we talked about the NFL, especially free agency. We spent a lot of time on the NCAA tournament. Again, mm -hmm. I can... I can talk about those two topics all day long. But one of the things that we knew or were hoping would not take uh, and not happen and not take shape did happen today with VCU being eliminated from the tur uh, tournament because of COVID reasons. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you wanted to talk about in your closing thoughts. So where are you going with this? Yeah, I mean, we, we've all been through this COVID thing. I mean, we, we've experienced it in the NBA with them uh, having their... Uh, championship in a bubble uh but the the tournament is in a city it's it's not in a resort and it's not closed off and earlier this week uh there was news that six referees were sent back home because they violated protocol i believe they all got together and they had dinner together which you know in a normal world is 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 normal it's it's something that you do, but in a bubble situation, I mean, in a in a COVID situation where you can infect people and you go against protocol, things will happen, and it did happen. Now VCU and I feel for all their players, especially the ones who who followed all of this, and you don't know what measures each players took, you know, on their own account to 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 you know uh, meet the the protocols, you know, 
that were set forth by their coaches, their teams, their universities. So, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, I can envision that some of these players, you know, have families that, uh, you know, are traveling uh, so they can watch them at these games, you know. And these aren't NBA paid people, you know. The NBA are, they're, they're basically millionaires. They're, they're a group of millionaires out there. You know, these are college students, you know, some of them first generation college students, you know, their, their friends, their families uh, do a lot more than NBA players, friends and families in order for them to watch these games. But how much pressure uh, does that put on them to, you know, not socialize? You know, if, if I mean, if I had a daughter that played professional sports you know, I'm not, not paid professional, but collegiate sports. And I was told that you can watch them, but you cannot mingle with them at any point of your time with them. And, you know, these games are very, very emotional. I mean, you get uh, March Madness is known for, you know, that one shiny moment where at the end of once they cut down the nets that you see players crying, fans crying, you know, very, very emotional. Okay. But it's different now because of COVID. And I don't know if there is blame to be put on the two players that were tested positive because it could have been that uh, it was, who knows, it could have been something, uh, a carryover from their previous tournament. It could have been from personnel within the, you know, team's facilities. You know, it's just very disappointing. I anticipated something like this to happen, but not in the first round. Who's to say, especially there are six there there are 32 other teams that have now lost. And really, they don't really, I don't think, you know, beyond the, the coach's control that they really care about COVID restrictions at this point in time. And again, like I said, this is not a bubble. You know, this is not a bubble. They're 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 at they're at Hotels, which are protected, yes, but it's not protected like how the NBA was in Orlando. So this could be, this could be just the start of something. And I'd, I'd hate for this to happen in the Sweet 16, Elite 8, or even the Final Four. God forbid that no contest comes in the championship game. Uh, it would just, in my opinion, it would just uh, hurt the tournament. Hurt the tournaments and uh, the credibility of whoever becomes the champion, you know, uh, uh, in this particular tournament. So, you know, it, yes, COVID is something that we have to deal with. You know, uh, if it swings the right way, this hopefully will be the last time that we we come to to see it. But I just hope. I really just hope. Just because we we as fans escape to these types of uh, events, March Madness being one of the greatest ones to escape the realities of the world. And, you know, COVID just seems to be that one reality that no one can escape. Well, hopefully this will be the last case. And where I think I differ from you, I totally agree with you on the COVID impact, but where I differ from you is I think if it was going to happen, I think the first round is when it will happen. And the reason for that is I think once you win and move on, mm -hmm. once you lose, you have to have your bags packed. And once you lose, you're out. Um, so once you win and you move on, I think you have that 
sense of urgency that, okay, we've got to make sure that we do all that we can. I think in VCU's case, you know, with COVID, I think we've learned the fact that it doesn't necessarily show up immediately. Right. You know, so the fact that they started to test positive, say, Thursday and Friday right. um, and then Saturday could be that they got it, like you said, in the previous tournament or mm-hmm. in transfer, in transportation, in flying into Indianapolis. So they could have done everything right when they got to Indy um, and still have this situation where they were eliminated from the tournament for, for COVID reasons. So I'm hoping travel is done. Now they're in the city bubble. But you're right, it's not Disney World where everybody's one entrance and one exit. Um, and that the teams that are left are going to really take it seriously knowing what the consequences are at this point in time that they actually have a chance to win the national championship. But at the end of the day, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids that may sneak out, may try to get out. You know, So it's going to be, it's going to be hard, which is why I believe... All year long, I think this goes to where you have a more mature team, mm-hmm. you have a better shot. Right. So teams that are loaded with seniors, teams that have been through the, the fighting for all these years that didn't get a March Madness last year, I think they're going to take this a lot more seriously. But the younger teams, that this is one and done, or, you know, maybe they don't. You know, so it would be a travesty if the Final Four resulted in a forfeit and God forbid, like you said, the finals results in a forfeit where one shining moment doesn't even really have the same ring to it because the championship game is postponed. So right. let's hope that everyone learns a lesson from VCU. Unfortunately, VCU is the, is the team that is providing the lesson. Unfortunately for their coaches and players, they didn't get a chance to compete. Um, but if we can learn the lesson now and not have it manifest itself in the later rounds... Hopefully that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And let me just provide a little bit more clarity on why I think it would have happened in the later parts. It's my belief that when, when the, the losing teams do pack their bags, they don't necessarily leave the same day. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, the next morning, depending on what time their games are. You know, it's, it's, the, it's those times where I think you need an escape from losing those games. You know, try losing a game in the tournament. And like I said, these guys, some of these grown men, they, they cry. It's, it's hard for them. I mean, they, they need an escape, and it's hard to get that escape by just, you know, coach said, I got to stay in the room after the game no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys, they got to talk it out. They got to they want to talk to their girlfriends. They want to talk to their family. And that's where I'm afraid that, this might, that this might spread. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully the losers, you know, even if they don't leave immediately, they don't have access to the teams that are surviving and moving on, you know, so they don't have access to, to spread it that way. But you're absolutely right. I think once you lose, it's in some of these cases going to be like, well, we're out anyway, so what the heck? Let's right. go hit the town. Right. And so it's just a matter of making sure that they don't have access to the teams that are continuing. But we knew this was a possibility. We knew with COVID, anything can happen. Um, unfortunately, it did happen to VCU. But if they're the only team, then I think the tournament can still be a success. But if this becomes a, a major problem and more and more teams are, are forced to, to leave the tournament or advance via a no contest, then that certainly would taint it and, and really be disappointing. Yes, I agree. I agree. All right, Ernie, not so controversial today. You normally pick the most controversial topics, <laughs> but today you went with kind of a, a, a casual topic, a more heartfelt topic. But again, gang, we talked about NFL 
We talked about free agency there. We mentioned Drew Brees. Congratulations again to Drew Brees for an incredible, incredible career. We appreciated your 20 years and we look forward to what you have with NBC now in the booth. So we look forward to that. And March Madness, what a first two days. Incredible, incredible two days of basketball. Our brackets, both of us, completely shot. I went from ranked on the ESPN challenge. I was ranked 9 million yesterday. I'm up to 2.9 million today. Uh, so I did better today. But still, yesterday was brutal. But I look forward to a great Sunday, an even better Monday, and talking to you all next week. But until next week, please hit us up on social media. Again, yes. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. We really look forward to any feedback that you can provide. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. The easier way to, to let us know what you're thinking. Again, we love to hear your feedback, good or bad. Ernie and I are committed to working hard to make this the show that you guys all want to hear and be the fastest growing sports podcast in the United States. But until next week, for Ernie and Monty, the Sports Rivals are out. For joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm.